Welcome to Blue Talks. Having said that, this is live, right? That's the difference between your basement and your basement. You can just pause it for a second and go do something. Uh, so yeah, so we're going to uh, do an interview just like yesterday, uh, but it's building up to that question, which I did ask. Uh, I did ask people yesterday, but this one's for the documentary. So mm -hmm. just to kind of give people context. Uh, so and Marcella, uh, just as we dive in, I'll say uh, she's about in the same situation as me. She just arrived last night uh, from Brazil. Indeed. At five o'clock, yeah, and got home for whatever an hour or two, and then went and got a nail appointment, and so she got home at ten o'clock last night, and now she's here this morning at a different time zone. So yes. it's so yeah, so you you're all in. That's yes, very good. So as I said to you, we just put a smile on our face and we make things happen. <laughs> Hundred percent, indeed, a absolutely, yeah, and and that's the thing. I mean, th this is kind of I'll say part of this, um, but. You know, one of the things, if you guys have ever heard of E plus R equals O, mm -hmm. but that's, that, I live my life by this equation now. Uh, and it's, Jack Canfield's where I heard it, but I think he got it from W. Clement Stone and who knows where it came from. But the short version is, it basically says E is the event. So we get hit by an event. For example, you get back late, your, your travel or your flight gets delayed. Um, anything can happen, right? The economy takes a, you know, goes in the crap or whatever it is. Uh, that's the event. And you can't change the event. But what you can change is your response to the event. And that's how you change the outcome, your results. And it sounds like such a basic, simple thing, but I'm telling you, most people don't live their life by that. The recession happens, then they start freaking out, then they go to, and, or the price of gas is a great example. Price of gas is gonna go up tomorrow and people go and they're like fist fighting and mm -hmm. taking out billy sticks to get first, to get the gas. Like it's, it's a totally different way of thinking. So to me, for E plus R equals O, I always think of, um, how can I reframe this to get the results I want? And so to that point, like you said, we put a smile on her face. To me, that's part of that. Yes. You, we had events, both of us. I have, you know, didn't sleep last night, but I have to choose how I'm gonna to respond to that. And that'll dictate the outcome. So. And I'm so glad I'm here. Thank uh, you so much for so much. <laughs> oh, me as well. Uh, so I just wanted to share that because I think it's valuable for us to know that we have a choice. And I know a lot of people here sitting in the room know this, but anybody listening, we have a choice mm -hmm. about how we live our life and how we respond to these things. So what I wanted to ask you before we dived into uh, some of the core questions is, can you tell us, and I, I just mean, Marcella, just a quick Reader's Digest version, but can you tell us a little bit about who you are, just for those that are meeting you for the first time? Absolutely. So I am a love and transformational healer. I help people to find their love within, to be able to heal their pain, their trauma, their past, and be able to reunite in love. And for that, they would be able to reconnect with the true version of themselves, find that confidence to be able to be who they meant to be and be working on their purpose, on their mission. Thank you. Now, so I'll, I'll follow that up then when I ask, um, you know, about the work you do. When we hear that, I mean, we've talked a lot the last couple of days about, you know, making change. And it, mm. it sounds easy in theory, but we know it's challenging for a lot of people to make a change that maybe has been rooted in them for 20, 30, 40 years. So what do you see as some of the biggest obstacles for people becoming that best version of themselves? Like what's holding them back from based on the work that you it's do? Is the fear. Is the fear to face the pain. So um, I have lost my, my soulmate about exactly three years ago. 
And I wanted to give up. I wanted to die. There was no one around that could help me. My whole family was in Brazil. You know, I have our, our kids that it was my strength. It was everything to me. And I had to feel the pain. I had to go through my own process and being a therapist, being a medium, being a spiritual teacher. None of that have made difference because I had to connect with the human part of myself. I had to understand, okay, so this is the Marcella version, the past one without my husband, and I need to figure out who I will be going forward. And it was not easy. Yes, I had to take my time. I didn't want to read books. I didn't want to be influenced by anyone. I wanted to find myself, my truth, and be able to reconnect with that part of me that was lost, that was needing compassion, acceptance, love, respect. And this is exactly what people are searching for, to reconnect with these parts of themselves that they feel other people can see in them sometimes their strength, but they, they can't. So it's coming from this background that I know how I can take them through that journey. And I'm also a medical intuitive healer. So that helps a lot too. Well, you know, to that point, I, uh, so just, I mean, for context, but uh, I worked with Marcella recently yeah. and, you know, she, basically we were trying to get to the root of things that may, I may be holding on to yeah. or what have you. And so ultimately what came out, and it didn't surprise me, but my father and I, it's a weird dynamic, like he lives 10 minutes from where I live at any given time, but I might not see him for like four years or five years at a time. He just wasn't a big part of my life, but we lived near each other and everybody loves him. And he's the jolliest guy. He's a nice guy. He just didn't know how to be a father. And he, I was an only child. And so uh, I bring this all up because, and we talked this through, a lot of people are always trying to say to me, well, you're, you're hiding it because mm. you should be carrying all this heavy weight and stuff. And I, if, you, if you know me, I haven't. And I don't like say this guy's this or that. Like I, I look at the positives and I look at, I was raised by a single mother. I wouldn't be the dude I'm, I am today if I would have had him in my life the whole time. It would have made me a different person. Mm -hmm. So my point is we went through that and it was the first time that I was able to, I think in a lot of ways, let it go without having to be, oh, you must be carrying something you're hiding. Because I think sometimes people want to find, like if they're trying to help you, they want to say that you're just burying it. You're just hiding behind it. You're not sharing it. It's down there somewhere. Mm -hmm. And what I liked is Marcella didn't say that. She said, you know, I feel like you have made peace with it and you are okay with it, but you're still holding on to something a bit around it. And so for me, this goes to the point about her saying being nervous. Well, for me, the nervous part of it uh, was actually talking to the guide, the version of my father. You know, like I want your little, little dude to talk to your father. And that was very hard. Like, and I, I, you know, I don't want to say, you know, men versus women, but I think men sometimes we're kind of taught we're not supposed to talk about those mm -hmm. things. Yes. And so anyway, finish all this off, I'll just say, when you said it's probably because they're scared to do it or nervous mm -hmm. about it, I was like, I was very uncomfortable. Yes. Because you had said, say to him, you know, what you want to share with him. And that wasn't easy. So I understand when you say that it's not easy, mm -hmm. um, but I think it's, it's worth it. Yes, and no one can do for us. So it's only when we take that little step, have that faith, that yes, it can be painful. No one likes to think about pain and trauma. I had to, to write my whole trauma tree and revisit every single painful point in my life. You know, 
as part of my medical intuitive training. And I, I must say, it took me three days to do. But when I did, I was just laughing. I just felt that relief, you know. It's just amazing how much we can shift in terms of energy that we accumulate in our body, that tension, you know. And we can connect to that version that we want to be, that is there. We feel, we know, we just don't know how we can arrive, you know, to that destination. But when we figure out, when we let things unfold naturally, without putting so much pressure in ourselves, it's just amazing. So, I mean, a follow-up to that, you know, and something I've seen over the last couple of days is, you know, we've heard from people that have gone through tragic stuff, um, yeah. you know, like you losing someone uh, so close to you. I mean, I've, you know, I was raised, as I said, by a single mother and, so, and I was, my mother's a, 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 an only child and I'm an only child. So our family's really close. So when you lose somebody, it's huge because there's only yes. a few of us. Like, in fact, we, at the funeral, I always thought this was so trippy to think about this, but when my grandfather passed, we said, we're not going to do the thing standing up in the, like in, in where, where we had the, what we call our wakes mm -hmm. the day before. You. And you stand up and the fam, people come up and say their condolences. We said, we're not going to do that because it's look, it'll look like it'll feel bad because there's only three of us. Like my mom, my grandmother, mm -hmm. my, and me. And this was before my family. Now we have at least my two kids and my girlfriend. But we're like, we're not even going to stand up there. Like we chose not to solely because our family's so small. But my point is, so when you lose somebody, it's a massive thing. I bring this up because we saw all throughout the day yesterday. We'll see throughout the day today. Almost everybody suffers some form of loss. So my question out of that, when we think about that level of pain, we think about the things that go through it. And I know in the room here, a lot of people realize that some come, stuff comes out of it that was meant to come out of it. But if you could... May, may, uh, wave a magic wand, would you take away the concept of pain? Oh, that's a very deep question. <laughs> I, I would say no. Because if we don't face the pain, the pain is literally just like a challenge. If you see that as an opportunity that your soul, that yourself is having to grow, you wouldn't remove that away. Because imagine if everything we would have a magic wand just to make it perfect, to meet our expectations, to meet our needs, then we're not gonna grow. Nothing's gonna be a challenge. We're not gonna have that taste that, wow, I have accomplished this and I feel amazing, this is awesome. So yes, pain, unfortunately, is not so pleasant, but trust me, when you can overcome, you just feel, wow, a different person. You just feel that life can bring so many amazing things. You know, I had to reawaken to life. I had to rediscover myself as a woman, as a mother. It, it was not easy. But all of that also have taken me to a place where I found myself as an author. And we're going to have my new book coming up, and it's called Awaken to Embrace Vulnerability and Sexuality. And if I didn't have to deal with grief, nothing would have been possible. I never would have thought that this would be part of my path. So I'll tell you the reason I asked that question for mm. context. Uh, my, my, so when I was younger, whenever I was stuck in the poor me, because I lived that for 20 some years, poor me, why is this always <laughs> happening to me? Like I literally, you could see a, a, a switch flipped when I discovered my purpose. Like I went from that, and I always said, you can't have fully a person that's fully negative and fully positive equally mm. in the same body. So it was like I went from one person for half my life to a uh, different person. But when I was that person, 
uh, for those 25 some years, which I battled generalized anxiety and mm -hmm. hypochondria, not surprisingly, I was negative all the time and living in negative energy. But when I was that person, if you asked me that question, if you gave me a wand and said wave away the concept of pain, I would have ran and knocked you over to grab the wand. But some, somewhere along the way, I heard it, and I've heard it many times since, but the idea that if we didn't have pain, how would we know what pleasure is? Mm -hmm. If we didn't have bad, how would we know what actually really good is? And to your point, how boring in some ways would life be? Absolutely. You know, and, and I say that in the sense that, like, what would life be if every, if the wand, I'm thinking now, if you could wave and say, this is what I want my life to be, how boring would life be if you could just say, like, you know, I think it's, for some people, like, whenever they get everything they want abundance-wise and discover maybe it wasn't what they want, I mean, how many people that we think, like, they have it all, they should never have any issues that end up becoming addicts? And I think sometimes it's because of boredom. I hate to say it, but there's, yeah. life's not as exciting anymore because you can literally make any bag go away with your money. And, I do, and I've interviewed a lot of millionaires and billionaires and multimillionaires, and I've had a lot of them that say the money they thought was going to make things better, and it didn't. And that was a real two-by-four in the face because all of a sudden the thing they've been working for 20 years to, that was going to make them better, they got it and they were like, oh, this didn't change anything. Absolutely. If they felt it's empty, they still felt empty. Indeed. It's an illusion that we can create and we can have everything that we want. But what we truly want, lots of people take many years to figure out that. And it's part of their soul journey, you know, to go through that. But it's also part of our soul journey sometimes get lost to find ourselves, to rediscover ourselves, to reinvent ourselves. And that's where we can never get bored. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so I want to ask you the main question I want to ask you today, and yep. then I'll just ask a couple of follow-ups after that. But the main question is the question that most people have heard me ask the most, called the time machine question. Mm -hmm. And I always say it's just like it sounds. Um, it's about a time machine. And the question really is, if you could jump into a time machine, go back and talk to a younger Marcella, based on what you've learned in the years since, and give her some life advice. What do you think you might tell oh my gosh. younger Marcella? I would say to her, just carry on being you. And remember always your strength. Remember who you are. No matter what other people tell you, remember who you are. Remember that you can achieve everything that you wish. The power is only within you to achieve whatever you want. So now my follow-up to that, which yeah. I don't always ask, is would you get in the time machine? Oh, yes. You would? That was a absolutely. quick answer. Oh, yes. I'm going to say like most, I'd say 50% <laughs> at least of the people when I ask that say absolutely not. No. But you are like a... My son is, is a fan of the, the Flash series. So <laughs> <laughs> So you're like into sci-fi and you'd love oh, to have the experience. Oh, absolutely. Yes, definitely would. Wow. You know, I'll, I'll tell you that uh, for, I always said I wouldn't. And the reasoning behind why most people say they won't and why I wouldn't is I like my life, I like who I am, and I, if you believe in the butterfly effect, it would change everything. But lately, uh, you know, I'm looking towards the simpler time of the 50s and 60s and stuff, and I'm like, and I'm a huge mm. music person, so like the 60s was such a different era, 70s were such a Absolutely. different era, and, and even the 50s, right, the dance stuff in the 50s, like just yes. there's so many cool things. But I said, like, so I thought, I might say yes now, but the caveat is I would only do it if I could bring my family, like meaning like my immediate family. Which would have to be my mother, because she'd find a way to call me, if not, <laughs> back in history. And so including my mother, my two kids, and, and uh, my girlfriend. Yeah. If I could do that, I think my answer might be yes. But it's always been no. But the reason it's always been no is because of the fact that I'd be worried about it affecting the future, like the present day. 
so um, I guess uh, one step uh, further than that, if we're talking about um, some of the things we talked about today and we think about um, you know, how we live our lives and what that does to the future of us, uh, I like to ask a question every now and then about legacy. So what does the concept or word legacy mean to you? It's an interesting question. And for me, legacy is what we're doing today. It's what we say, how we can change other people's life, how we can change our life. And it's, it's just amazing because I have been to Brazil now and my kids haven't connected, seeing my parents since 20, 2013. You know, I have seen them. I was lucky to see them in 2019 when I went to see my grandmother. And yeah, I knew I wouldn't see her again. And since then I lost my husband and my grandmother and an uncle. So reconnecting with my family and just watching everybody still living their life like nothing has happened. The problems are still the same, the people are always you know, the same, but that unity, that love, you know, that care, that is legacy. Mm. Because it's how people will remember you. you know, and you just think, wow, I so miss this. Because you live in the UK and everything is different. People are different, it's a different culture. You know? And my kids was like, mom, I'm missing Brazil already. And I know why. It's because of everything that the culture brings to, you know, but also the people. So who we are today is part of our legacy because now what we're doing today, it will have an influence in every, every single one that we may just see once in our life. And if you're lucky to reconnect with those people again, they will just remember who you are, your smile, your hug, how you made them feel. This is legacy. Hmm. Money. Money is also legacy. But for who? We can leave money for charities and for many things to be built. But those people that will be actually enjoying the outcomes of that, who they will really know who you was. No. The legacy is this, is this moment that we're creating here. The hearts that we touch, the smiles that we share. It's beautiful legacy. So I love that. And I have one more kind of official question before yeah. I ask you how we can learn more. But just to comment on what you said, because what popped in my head is Carnegie Hall. So how many people here know who donated Carnegie Hall? There's your answer right there, right? Yeah. How mm -hmm. many people has Carnegie Hall impacted? Like through entertainment and through all the different things it's done. And in a room here of people I would, I would say are thought leaders who probably read a lot of personal development books mm -hmm. don't know that it was Andrew Carnegie. So Andrew Carnegie was the, a steel magnet uh, back in the 30s, 40s, what have you. And if, if you, and also talked about impacting, right? Like he, mm -hmm. the Carnegie Hall, and there's other Carnegie things he built and schools and everything. But then you think about it on top of all that, he impacted a little known person by, that goes by the name of Napoleon Hill. So Andrew Carnegie challenged Napoleon Hill to go out and in interview the influencers of his time. And Napoleon Hill took upon the challenge, put the book out, and then uh, actually uh, they say over 100 million people in terms of buying the book. That doesn't include secondhand bookstores. 100 million people read the book. They say it's created more millionaires, and I think good mm. millionaires that are giving back and contributing than any other book. None of that would have happened if Andrew Carnegie didn't challenge him. And the point is in this room, I bet you most people didn't know Andrew Carnegie was the guy who challenged Napoleon Hill to write that book, that Andrew Carnegie employed, I don't know how many people during his life and gave them you know, food on the table, and he gave us Carnegie Hall. 
Mm. I, I just wanted to validate what he said is that think of that, that we go and enjoy that stuff and how many people does it impact? Uh, but from his perspective, most people don't even know who he was. Indeed. And by the way, some people said Dale Carnegie, right? It's Dale Carnegie, <laughs> which, and they're not related. So, but yeah, I mean, so it's just interesting. So I just wanted to back up and validate what you yeah, said. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's 100% true. So the last official question is uh, passion. It's about this word passion. So just for context, I, I remember for quite a while, people would talk about uh, on the show, I used to bring them on. My show used to be called Conversations with Passion. And I'd bring them on and everybody talked a great way about passion. And then something changed. Uh, for like the last three or four years, I finally changed the name of the show because when I bring up passion, people are like, I hate hearing people say you need to find your passion. And I wish people would stop telling people that. And it was almost like passion became a dirty word. And I can't assume what your thoughts are on it because there are a lot of people that think that way that, you know, you shouldn't tell people to find their passion and should, people shouldn't need a passion and all that. I know my own take on it. I would love to get your take. Like, do you think us finding a passion or living with passion, do you, do you see it as a positive or a negative? I would say live with love and live with purpose. Passion is a feeling, but love means everything. You know, when, when, you, when you need anything that you need in your life, if you just connect with your heart and you just start to feel the love and allow the energy to expand, everything just transmutes around you. Passion doesn't have this power. Mm. Mm. Well, and uh, for context too, uh, what I often say, and I said it in my book, um, the book I wrote about finding your why, so the book of why, uh, is I said to me, passion is what you do, purpose is why you're doing it. And so if you think of it that way, the passion is the what, so being a photographer, doing tattoos on people, yeah. that's the passion. But the purpose, which is deeper, is why am I even doing this, and what, how am I contributing with it? And what, my, what I've seen, and studying a lot of people around this, is the passion can change 50 times, mm -hmm. but the purpose almost never changes. So you could be, like for me, I started as a comic, then a musician, and then a speaker, and all three of them still serve the same why, but all three were different passions. So to your point, I, I totally get that. Myself, I, like, I love both of them. I think it's like the law of attraction. Uh, in The Secret, we should have been talking about the law of action as well. Well, I think the same way for me, I think purpose and passion go hand in hand. I think for a lot of people, passion is the gateway to purpose. So in other words, you start trying these things you're passionate about, mm -hmm. and at some point you go, oh, I really like this, and eventually you go, look what I'm getting from this and how I'm impacting lives. And then for me, that's how I discovered my purpose was finding a passion in stand-up comedy. So I like both of them, but I, I see a lot of people saying passion now. I'm sick of hearing people say it, so I just want to get another take. So last question. Uh, I know we've gone over time, so I just want to ask you, how can uh, we learn more about you? Where can people connect with you? How can people find you? Absolutely. Just go to my website, marcellaonyx.com. My social media is Marcella um, Onyx, too. So okay. extremely easy to find it. Thank you. Very easy. <laughs> MarcellaOnyx.com yep. or uh, Marcella Onyx on social media. Yes, indeed. Awesome. And probably on Google because I'd say there's mm -hmm. not 400,000 Marcella oh, yes. Onyxes. <laughs> so, nope, not at all. I'll be coming in the top one. <laughs> yeah, so I'm thinking you're probably bumped up there. Awesome. Well, Marcella, this has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, I uh, so appreciate you. I'll call it a to be continued with your permission. Absolutely. And I'll say to everybody else, till next time. So thank you guys so much. Uh, and we will get out of the way and let our next speaker come up. So thank you guys. Thank you.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.